Hey guys, this is Kurt. And Logan. And we're here to talk about Battle Bards. I thought we were here to talk about how you're a terrible father. Pimping out your son. What? 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 Nothing. <laughs> okay. No, Battle Bards is great fantasy audio. I would know that. Only things I care about are cartoons, balloons, Star Wars, candy, old people's smiles, dogs, Pokemon, video games, fireflies. Do you even know what those are? Existentialist paintings. How do you even know how to say that? The sound of forts, <laughs> ninjas, and electronics. Okay, that's a lot to process. Farts? Really? Oh, but check this out. Lord Ardok is a wooden fortique symbol. Bida octo mon farste outwis mon kasabu haudon fu chi tang gali asparos. Ooh, scary! And this. Ooh, impressive. You can't deny this, though. Noal na o lapireta ikarino ilasa zorge, lapilasa do lape turbs benas. Okay, that's very cool. Okay, Logan. So how much would you pay for that awesome audio? Thirteen point two pesos. There's no such thing as point two pesos. Fifteen hundred yen. Five hundred pinks. Republic credits. That's not even real. That's Star Wars, Logan. Well, let me tell you. You go to battlebars.com. You sign up for an account. And not only do you get that premium auto, but you can get a little something from us also. With the 10 and $25 packages, you get one free track with MFGCast1 as your coupon code. Buy a $50 or $100 package and get five free tracks with the code MFGCast2. That's a half of an album for free just for using that coupon code. Could it be any easier? Buy the $150 and $300 packages. Not only do you get most of Battle Bards fantasy audio, soundscapes, music, sound effects, etc., but you also get 10 free tracks with coupon code MFGCast3. A full album for free for using a coupon code from us. You're welcome. I'll just buy that great audio right now. Wait, but you have to you have to ask your parents permission before you buy. This is the MFG cast. Hey guys, it's Kurt. And this is D. Wyatt. Oh God, I <laughs> still can't get over it. Hey dude, I gotta sell the gimmick. Yes, you do. I don't know what that gimmick is besides the name, but we'll see. <laughs> hey, you gotta start somewhere, right? That is true, that is true. I was gonna say, how am I gonna start my illustrious, like, seven-time reigning champion run if I don't at least have an in-ring name? Nice, that is true, that is true. 
I don't know what what that would be on. I'm playing <laughs> Lords of Waterdeep or something. I don't know. Uh, hey guys, we're gonna do another episode of Step Back, Step Sideways, Step Forward. This time we're gonna do it with dice placement games. The first time we actually did it with worker placement, so we really like placement people. But before we do that, let's talk about what we're now playing. I'm gonna go first this time, just because. I, I know I've said this before on the show, and it's a running theme, and you know what? I'm going to continue with that theme. We miss a lot of things when it comes to playing games. And you know what? I've decided that any time I play a game now, I'm just going to read, read the instructions every single time. I don't care if I've played it once. I don't care if we've played it 52 dang times. I'm just <laughs> going to read it again, because we haven't been playing a ton of games, but me and Tracy played Pandemic on the iPad a couple of times here, and so we're playing we're playing Pandemic, and we get to a certain point, and Tracy Tracy decides she wants to treat a disease, so she clicks on the disease, and there's three cubes on it, and all the three cubes disappear. Now I've always thought when you're doing the treat disease that you always took off one not realizing that it says right on the first page of the rule book that if you've already treated a disease is or is if you've already cured a disease you can remove every cube off of that color. Yep. I had no clue. Oh good god. Have you yep. ever beat pandemic while punishing uh, yourself like that? Surprisingly, yes, we have. How? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Luck apparently. <laughs> So, just goes to show you people that you can easily miss things. So, make sure you read it all. And it's funny because I've always thought, gosh, this game seems so hard. And yet, that's why. Because we're putting ourselves through this punishment. That's like smashing your hands with a hammer before you decide to juggle. That, that's, <laughs> that, pretty, that pretty much explains my whole life, Dan. Thank Good you. God. I appreciate it. Yeah. So, you know, just goes to show you, kids read your instructions through thoroughly every time and if you don't understand you know what ask somebody else because good gravy i couldn't i just can't couldn't believe it i'm like we didn't know about this the whole time and that would have made pandemic that much easier and it's funny too because then now now i think about playing pandemic legacy and we've been playing it that that way too to where it makes it even more harder because pandemic legacy is you know that much more deep and cutthroat than the original yeah it's um you know it's funny um daniel peterson from uh mayday games who we actually will be uh having on in the near future to talk about like some holiday game ideas when i was speaking to him at the con he was saying one of the most interesting things about when he writes these rule books is knowing that people are never gonna like really look at them <laughs> And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, everyone has to read the rulebook how to play. And he goes, that's the interesting part. Because if somebody teaches you a game and you buy it, you never read the rulebook. And even if you read the rulebook, you never actually read it again. You just go, how do I do this thing? Flip, flip, flip. Oh, yeah, that's how I do it. Yeah. So every word before that and every word after that just ceases to exist. And I'm like, oh, my God, he, I do do that. Yeah. I'm the worst. <laughs> and probably everybody does that. Because, you know, doing a little bit of research, I pulled out a rule book for a certain game that we'll be talking about and thought to myself, um, I don't think we ever 
did that in this game. And so, again, here's an, there's another example, and we'll be talking about it soon, of, like, holy crap. Like, you know, it, it's funny because I just got that, I just got that, that thought in my head when you were talking about when somebody teaches you because it's like, you know, when we went to Gen Con in 2015, we played uh, that uh, Medieval Academy and, you know, we've read the rule book since then, but I don't, I think, I don't think we like read it fully since then. So, you know, who knows what we might've been missing. Just goes to show you too, that just because someone is teaching you this game doesn't mean they're teaching you the whole correct way too. So. Yeah. it's a pretty good point actually. <laughs> so does that mean you've been playing pandemic recently? Is that what inspired you to remember that or? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I said. Like we, you know, we played it on the, on on the, the iPad. iPad and, yeah, yeah. And when that happened, I was like with board game apps a lot of that stuff is done for you because it's it's supposed to be more user friendly so you don't have to go through the rigmarole of being like okay i need to do this and that and blah 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 the you know it thinks of all those things for you so then finally when you see something you're like and that's what i we did on this whole thing i was like tracy's like yep i just removed all those cubes and i'm like what i'm like that's gotta be a glitch <laughs> so we go do it again and we're like she's like i did it again i'm like that is weird. So I go to I go to pandemic. I go to our board game. I look at the rules. First page says if you cure a disease, you, you can treat all the disease cubes of the cured disease for one treat treat yeah. disease action. action. And that's yeah. why the medical technician bumps up to uh, having the Jesus effect, where he just simply has to walk through the sick to cure them. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, to me it was just like wow. Like literally, I you know if I would have just read the rule book again i would have just found it on the first page and we would have been fine god now i'm really curious how your pandemic legacy seasons are going to flip up <laughs> no kidding we'll actually feel like we're actually doing something for once yeah you're like this is so easy uh, yeah i doubt that <laughs> away we go so what else have you been uh, getting up to oh jeez. trying to think of what else we've been playing boy not much else. No CV, no code names, no, uh, no Star Trek Panic. I'm looking at your shelf back there, buddy. <laughs> Reading everything behind me. Yeah, no, not really. Yeah. I mean, we I played a you know for Thanksgiving we played a few dice and card games and stuff like that, but that's just normal like Book of Hoyle games and stuff like that. So yeah. nothing super exciting. So what about you, Dan? So we started doing some more Pandemic Legacy Season 1 because we want to get into Season 2. <laughs> uh, we're up to July now, so we are officially halfway through the game. I still definitely enjoy um, how they keep adding things. Like, you keep unlocking like new people to play and everything. And Because, uh, again, I, even though the game's old, I still don't want to give out too much because I know people will be like... You know, man, I, I'm one of the few people that reviewed you guys on iTunes, but you spoiled this game for me. One star. <laughs> so, but the thing is, uh, one of our buddies that we play with, uh, George Z, is the pandemic guy. You know, if there's a pandemic out there, he has it. He knows about it. Like we play Iberia, Cthulhu, you know, pandemic with all the expansions, uh, pandemic to cure the dice game and everything. And even he was saying, like, I love it, like, when a new character will come out and he compares it to how they play in the original Pandemic. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, they changed this ability and they did that. And I'm like, this is just kind of cool, like, that this guy has this, like, encyclopedia-like knowledge of Pandemic and that he's on our team, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but the other game we were playing, which is this beautiful little title right here, 
is Lovecraft Letter. Nice. Right? So here's what's pretty snazzy. A lot of people I know like Love Letter and everything, and I always thought the game was okay. But there's just something about this, and I'm not even a big Cthulhu guy, but there's something about this game that I absolutely love. And the thing is, it right out of the gate, it's up to six players. It comes with those sleeves, much like Love Letter. Mm-hmm. But you'll notice a little claw reaching through the letter to break the seal, which I nice. think is kind of cute. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it looks like a book. It has the sleeves included and everything. You know, it's 30 bucks, just like Love Letter Deluxe. But they put two little spins on it. Every number card, there's one more copy of that card. But the difference is, so like, you know, in Classic Love Letter, the number two, it's just like you choose a player and you look at their hand. Mm -hmm. So in the Lovecraft letter, there's madness cards and there's one madness card of each number. And what these things will do is if you have a madness card in your discard pile, you get to choose what you do. So like the number two is you can either choose another player and look at their hand or you choose another player, look at their hands, and then you can draw another card and discard a card. So you can actually like modify your hand to what they got going on. Hmm. And like the basically the number four in this is like an elder sign, but it's the handmaiden. You know, you cannot be targeted by cards until your next round. If you use the insanity effect, it's that you cannot be eliminated, like you know this round or whatever. So it's like it's all these like really interesting little spins. And the best is this game can actually go like either much shorter or longer. And the reason is because of these awesome like little chips here where there's sanity victories. And if you get two sanity victories, which means no madness cards in your discard pile, you win. Or the insanity wins, which three of those will also let you win. And what's nice is it's those nice clay chips. Just like a regular poker chip that's really nice and thick. Yeah, it's it's you know reminiscent of what used to be the Splendor chips. And what's cool is the you know you get a nice stack of those, and it all comes together pretty lovely in the book, where it's like you know everything's very form fitting. It has like felt finish. For thirty bucks, I was really happy with this. And then when I went on MFGcast.com and used the Amazon links. And got it for $22. I was even happier. <laughs> and then I was told, I told my friend I'm ordering it. And he goes, man, that looks awesome. I want a copy. And I'm like, let's do that right now. And then we got same day delivery. So we ordered it Sunday morning. And we were playing this Sunday night. Thanks to uh, the amazing MFGcast.com Amazon links. <laughs> which you can use, which is pretty cool. Nice. But yeah, I, I'm like... Me and Kim have played this thing like uh, we played it one on one, which is and it's been awesome. Because you know, with the deck being bigger, you figure like, oh, the game probably lasts longer, but it doesn't. Because here's another fun little way that things can go hideously awry. When you have a madness card in your discard pile, for every madness card in your discard at the beginning of your turn, you flip over the top of the deck, and if you get a madness card at any point during that, you're just instantly eliminated because you went nuts. Nice. Yeah, it just it plays it plays with the whole Cthulhu theme, and I like, and I just want to comment before you continue. I I like the like what you talked about. It looks, it looks like a Lovecraft book, or like the or like you know possibly like the Necronomicon or something like that. You know, it's just it's got a you know a cool presentation to it, which is a, a awesome little spin on Love Letter. Yeah, it's just like it's really fun. 
Um, Kim has been getting into the Cthulhu mythos a little more, like, because, you know, we've been playing some Mansions of Madness and everything, and she's like, oh man, now I want to check out that Arkham Horror card game and, like, all this other stuff. But this thing is really cool, really fun, and the six-player count is a nice little bonus. Mm-hmm. You know, because there's only eight more cards, so the deck's not really bloated. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, crazy people make the deck burn even faster. And here's another little fun bit. Um, if somebody's tied for, you know, like the highest number, like say two people have the number eight, they're actually both eliminated, and then the next number wins. Nice. So if you have that eight card, you got to hope that nobody else has the other eight card. Like, you know, so it actually it also, again, rewards you for card counting. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. so Lovecraft's Letter is uh, super fun, man. I'm really glad I picked this little one up. Nice. That's awesome. Also, if you like, like, you know, the Lovecraftian theme and stuff like that, check out Fear Itself on Legends of Tabletop, where I play the character Randy Anders. <laughs> Cheap plug. But no, seriously, I love it. Like, I love playing that character. If you're not watching it, you should be watching it. It's fun. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you've been playing? Uh, that's that's pretty much the bulk of it. I'll save some other stuff for another time. Nice, nice, awesome. Sounds great. Well, let's get into our let's get into our theme of the night here, or the day, or whenever you listen to this. We're taking a look at games that have similar mechanics, but are one one's a step forward, one step back, one step sideways. I always get that mixed up. So I think we do back, sideways, forward. Yeah, yeah. and that's why it's a nice little three step program. That's right. That's right. But the original game that we're going to be talking about, where we're going to be focusing around it, is Zagrada. You know, we've kind of sung its praises, but since you and Kim have, you know, recently played it, why don't you tell people, you know, a little bit about exactly how Zagrada plays so we can talk about the other games. Okay, so Zagrada is a game about making these beautiful stained glass windows, and you're doing it with dice representations. So you're going to choose your window and you're going to see like colors that must be in certain spots. You're going to see numbers that must be in certain spots. And at first you go, oh, this should be easy. Of course, no game will ever just hand you an easy win. So the little spin on this game is that when you're placing, you always have to start from the outside because, you know, you're building a window. You got to build from the outside in. And then on top of that, you always got to be building off your adjacent pieces of glass. So the dice must always be adjacent, be it orthogonal or diagonal. But that's not all. Because, of course, there's got to be more wrenches thrown your way. And it's that no dice of the same color can be orthogonally adjacent, and no dice of the same number can be orthogonally adjacent. Now, to make this even more complicated, in the beginning of each round, a player is going to draw dice based on the number of players, roll them out, and then you're going to start drafting. Now what's good is the draft goes in a serpentine fashion. So say me, Kurt, and Kim are playing, and I'm going first, Kim is second, Kim is third, I'll pick one, Kurt picks one, Kim will pick two back-to-back, then Kurt, then me. So first player's great, you get great choices, first player sucks because then you're getting the dregs at the end of it. (laughs) It's an interesting little twist. But the big thing in Sagrada that lets you overcome all these awful, awful things that chance is throwing your way because you're pulling out random dice and you're doing rolls so you never know what the numbers are. And then it's your turn to pick and you go, a yellow six. Nope, can't put it next to my sixes. The yellow, nope, can't put the yellow anywhere. The red, nope, can't use that. I guess I'm taking this purple one. I don't want it, but I have to take it. (laughs) But the game allows you to get past that using tools. 
tools are going to be random things that let you move around the dice or manipulate the rolls. Or my personal favorite, you can take your die and say, yeah, I'm not touching this thing at all. Put it in the round marker and then choose another die in the round marker and take that. And just go, yeah, you thought you were going to mess me up and screw me on red? I'm taking my red die. Suck it. That might be a very particular example, I'm just saying. (laughs) On top of that, the thing with this game is scoring is really unique because inherently you kind of have zero points even if you make a beautiful window. The scoring is all these objectives that come out in the beginning of the game, be it, you know, get pairs of threes and fours or having four different colors in each of your columns or like five different numbers in each of your rows. So this game is a very interesting puzzle And at the end, it looks beautiful. So even though the core of the game is drafting dice and assigning dice and placing dice and trying to figure out which die is best for this situation, it kind of becomes like an art at the end that usually has a little touch of profanity because in the last round, it's a little hard to really get what you want and there's usually a little gap in your window. Mm -hmm. But that mechanic of a puzzly dice placement is really cool and hasn't been explored too much in the past. Dice are traditionally associated with either, okay, this turn, roll, these resources are worth these things, or I move nine spaces. Mm-hmm. So it's cool seeing like this dice assignment being used in different ways instead of a resolution for other things. Like yeah. the dice come first in this game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like the the thing that people talk about like first when they talk about this game is how beautiful it is. They don't talk about the gameplay, they don't talk about you know what kind of game it really is. They just the first thing you think of when you see this game is wow, that looks great. I want it. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. Like yeah, cuz I remember that's the first thing I thought of when I saw it. I was like that looks beautiful. I want it. I don't care if it plays great. I still want it, you know. <laughs> but then when you hear other people say that it plays great, then you're like and then, and then also that it's a challenge, you're like that sounds awesome. I want it, you know. So in but then once you get into it like the the um the way they make these dice is just it 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 makes you think that you have stained glass window, you know, even though it's, you know, a plastic, you know, basically a see-through color die or whatever. It's like the dice are amazing. You know, you just like, when you see these dice, you think I want dice like this in all my games. You know, I don't, I don't want the ugly, the ugly, uh, ivory ones in my Yahtzee. I want to replace them with these. Cause that would make it more awesome. The dice colors are almost akin to like those acrylic gems that you get. Yes. Like if you shine light through the dice, you will actually cast like, you know, like little colors on the table. Yeah, exactly. I always play it on a Sunday morning out in front of my window as the light shines through. Hallelujah! No, I don't say, ever do that. Yeah, <laughs> we play it next to our dirty, dirty front windows, <laughs> and then yeah, we're yeah, making exactly. beautiful stained glass ones in a game. Exactly. Yeah, that's why I always, I always like this game because I was like, I always think, man, it'd be nice to have beautiful windows like this, not the barf I look out through every day. <laughs> <laughs> But um, the it's funny too. Once you look past the you know the beautifulness of the game, there really is a. It's really you really have to like figure out strategy for each game, and like and it's funny too because I think that there's so many things that are thrown into this game that so- sometimes you can forget some of the things that you're going for. 
like, you know, one of them is a, a hidden color. So basically everybody gets a hidden color card and that's, you get a certain amount of points depending upon how many dice you have in your, um, uh, placement on your, um, on your board or whatever. And what's and, brutal is it's how many points those dice are worth. So like you can have six blue dice and only get six or seven points, or you can have six blue dice and get like 40 points <laughs> <laughs> or seven blue dice. I should say you can't get 40 points on six dice. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> exactly or you can't count and that's terrible uh, that's probably me but also with the tool cards like you know you have to figure out how to use those you can't a lot of times you don't want to go into using the tool card tool cards too late because you get the three glass uh, i don't know what they call them in that game but you know it's just the little acrylic glass glass tokens <laughs> that you see in just about yeah, anything like you can get about the dollar tree i'm looking at them right now I can't, I can't remember what they're called, but, and so the first first time you use one, you can use it, you put one down, but it, once the first person puts one down on that card, you have to put two down for the next one. And then if you want to use it a third time, you have to use three and you only get three. No, you, it's it always cost two after the first stone is on it. So you only get two. You got to read the rule book again, buddy. I know. No <laughs> kidding. So then why would you have three then if you can't use three? Um, because you might use one tool as a first time. You might end mm. up using all three tools as a first or just one tool. Because don't forget, those are also points at the end of the game, which is fun. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I was going to reference, too. Because it's like, you know, do you want to use those tool cards to help you, you know, maybe get a couple extra points? Or, you know, maybe that won't even be worth your time and just keep them for the extra three points at the end. So, um, so here's a fun horror story of Sagrada. Kim is... Uh, Kim pretty much savagely whoops me every single time we play that game. She one time beat me by 31 points. So I have never finished a window in Sagrada. And this was the first time that I was actually going to be able to do it. And at the end, I'm like, holy crap, I did it. I, I finished my window. And then Kim's like, okay, let's do scoring now. And then it occurred to me, I never even looked at the scoring cards that game. Yep. And that and that's the thing I was going to kind of reference before I got sidetracked is that if you're not paying attention to all the little details of this game, you will lose. <laughs> you really have to like really be on it, and it's hard because you're you're, you're thinking, okay, oh man, I've got a, I've got two ones that are here. I gotta find two ones, or like I've got a bunch of purple here, but my card says I need to get green. You know, which what do I do here? You know, it's just there's a lot of different things when it comes to that. Yeah, and there's nothing more horrifying than going like I really need two red, and then you just don't see them, and you're like, but. But I need the red, so. <laughs> but yeah, so Sagrada in, in in and of itself, it's like a beautiful game. It has a lot of interesting decision space, and even though the simple mechanic is you pick a die and you assign that die to a spot, there's so much that goes on with this game. Like it will give you brain burn. It will keep you going, and it will have people going, "Oh man, what's that?" when they see it on the table. Yeah, exactly. And I have to I have to put in a little a little change of what I said because I did have it wrong and Tracy who refuses to be on the podcast but still will comment <laughs> from the other room. I went back to the instructions on Sagrada and it says give each player the number of favor tokens, that's what the little jewel tokens are, indicated by the difficulty number on their card. So it's not it's you can get from oh, yeah. 3 to 5. So so yeah, so that yeah. So now I understand because it, we've always played with you know, I think we, I think we always thought that we played with 
three depending upon how many players. So I think we got that wrong. <laughs> yeah, because those Great. really hard windows, man, you need those extra points. So ultimately, we learned that much like Pandemic, Kurt loves kneecapping himself in games. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just love making it as hard as possible for me to actually do anything like, You know what? Game. I'm not a fan of winning. How can I sabotage myself? Yeah, hey, now I know why I lose all the time. That is right. why. So, now the thing is, uh, you know, the idea of dice placement, you know, it's in a few games, but the way that Sagrada employs it is very unique. So... Say you wanted to teach somebody this game, but they're not too much of a gamer, right? You want to give them something really easy for dice placement. So you want to take a step back from Sagrada so you can eventually lead them down this path. What would you say is a great step back from this one? I think a smaller dice game where you're just you're rolling and putting and just placing, you know, as easy as you can. I think roll for it is a really good choice for that. Yeah, uh, that's like a really good one. And what's cool is there's a couple of different like variations on it. Like, there's the Roll For It Deluxe. There's, like, that little simple, like, card box one that's, like, about 10 bucks. What's pretty cool is the one that we got has the same color dice like Sagrada. So you get nice. them, you know, you get them used to looking at the pretties. So, like, you know, fundamentally, uh, like, Roll For It, right? Like, how does it go? Like, you know, how do you score in that game and all? Well, basically, you have cards that have dice faces on them so if like one of them says a two and a three or one of them says a three four five you basically just you roll your dice if you have one that matches the number then you put it on that card and then you keep rolling until you get you match up the the spaces on the card and then if you match the spaces before anyone else does you get the victory points and then it's uh what is it the first to 20 or more points i can't i'm just yeah i think I, that's about right i read i read it earlier today and i forgot yeah so it's like <laughs> you know in, in roll for it like you are the blue dice or the red dice it's not like you're drafting per se like in the other game but it's something that's really simple and you can like you can probably even play this with like the real little ones or like your grandpa or whatever and it teaches people, hey, look, the dice do something besides dictating how far your space, your character piece moves. In fact, you don't even have a character piece in this game. And then they also got like some really cool art on the Roll for It Deluxe. You can even like find like some custom made Roll for It things online. So you know, say somebody likes trains, you can even make a Roll for It with train pictures to make it super easy for them. So, you know, it's it's a cute game. It's small. It's also, like, super cheap. I think, like, Rollford is, like, what, like, 10 bucks in a lot of times? Yeah, and you can, fi- you can find it in a lot of different places, too. Yeah, I think, like, uh, it's even, like, a Walmart game at times and stuff like that. Or Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, Walmart, Target, most of the times you can just, you can find it with their, like, magic and Pokemon cards and stuff like that, that little area that's there. Hey, we also have another visitor on the show. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Kim is not dead, <laughs> despite the rumors. No, <laughs> I am not. Would Would she you like it. to give a lead in for role player or? Ooh, role player. Okay, that's another good dice game. What's a good lead in? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, say you're playing Sagrada a few times, and then your D and D buddies come over, and they're like, "I don't want to make windows. This is dumb." Right? You know, fair <laughs> enough. So instead, roll, ca- roll for characters? Yeah, pretty much. You're going to create characters. It's like the window into your soul. 
<laughs> yep, that's right. Instead of using a pencil and a piece of paper, you get a nice little board yeah. and some cards. So, role player, it's it has a little same little fundamentals as Sagrada in a way because it's going to be different colored dice, right? And you're going to assign them to your six different stats. And if you never played Pathfinder or D and D. You're not going to care what the six stats are because you're never going to play this game. So, <laughs> so we'll just save you some time. Hey, mm-hmm. my wife has never played, has really never played D. We actually played D and or she played D and D for the first time not too long ago, and she doesn't really care for it, but she liked playing yeah. that game. So that's not necessarily true. So with role player, right? Sagrada has a rule where you got to build from the outside of the window for your starter. In role player, every star like die starts on the far left because that's the beginning numbers of your stats. And like Sagrada, one player is going to roll the dice and assign them to initiative numbers. And what happens is when you take a die, that's your initiative for the market, because you're not actually fighting monsters, even though it's role player. That's going to be later in an expansion. Uh, it's supposed to be coming out early next year. But the thing with role player is it still has that puzzle that Sagrada has. Because say you're a ranger, right? You want to have good dexterity. You want to have a fixed constitution. You need to have a certain wisdom. So the puzzle in this game is having all your dice total equal certain numbers or higher. And when they say that your character has to have a 16 dexterity, they don't mean a 16, 17, or 18. No, no, no. You're supposed to have 16 dexterity. That's what you do. And there's like racial modifiers and all these other things. But say you're a barbarian. 18 or higher strength is awesome. So you're going to notice like there'll be some numbers that have plus. There's some numbers that are precise. You're trying to assign these dice to these spots. And just like how you have tools in Sagrada, your stats are your tools in this game. So like when you put a strength die somewhere, you can flip a die to its opposing side. So you can take one of your ones and flip it to the six. That's pretty cool. Dexterity. When you assign a die to your dexterity, you can swap two other dice, you know, because you're so agile. There's like all these little modifiers like that. Like Constitution lets you raise or lower a die facing by one number, you know, because that's your hardiness and your resilience. So there's all these little cool things like that. And then Sagrada has those very special scoring conditions, you know, the ones that Kim always does very well. Mm, yes. I, I, told, those. I shared with them how you beat me by 31 points and it was just so embarrassing. So, <laughs> so your goal in this one is basically you're getting skills and all these other things that will lead into your scoring as well. So you might take some skills to help you modify those stats so you get better on your stat block. You can also take um, other abilities where it's like one of my favorite, I think it's like like foolhardy. Where if like your intelligence or wisdom is below eight, you get bonus points. So there's all these things like that. There's gear that modifies your points. And just like Sagrada has that puzzle, there's a puzzle in this. Because if you're, say, the fighter class, which is the red die, every red die in your tableau is more points. And there's also an alignment factor, and it's how to get your alignment to the right spots. Where, where if you're the caretaker, you want to be lawful good. And if you're the psychopath, you want to be neutral evil. So using skills and getting gear is going to move that around. It's a little more of a puzzle. And then there's also a background. Because what hero doesn't have an awesome backstory, right? I mean, let's face it. That's why you play DD, right? To make a cool story. Not to just run around and kill monsters. 
<laughs> right? <laughs> what? That sounds like fun, though. Killing monsters is awesome. Um, <laughs> so right. they actually have a backstory, and then based on your backstory, you weren't certain color dice in certain spots. Because that ties into how your character was established. And that's points. So even though it's a game where you might be making a lizard folk paladin who's actually a psychopath and has the backstory of how he used to be a beggar and was infused with arcane energies and that's how he became a hero, you're kind of doing that same puzzle as you would in Sagrada. Which is really weird because I remember when I had roleplayer and uh, a good buddy of mine was like, oh yeah, Sagrada's super fun. I'm like, do I really need two dice drafting games? And I believe your answer was, yes, you do. And you were right. Because <laughs> these are both very different bills and yet are awesome in that placement puzzle drafty style mechanic. Yeah, exactly. And, and there's, you know, there's probably only a few different people that will like both of these games together. You know, it scratches kind of the same itch, but it's got two different genres that are kind of on, you know, different wavelengths. But, you know, I don't know. I just, just both playing both games, like I didn't, I don't really see one as better than the other to tell you the truth. You know, like I really like Sagrada for what it is. It's a beautiful game. It's got a lot of good strategy. Role player itches that, you know, oh, trying, you know, trying to put fantasy into a game, which I always love. You know, I love a fantasy game into a board game, you know, and, and it, role player does a good job of taking these characters and being true to them you know being like you know if you're gonna if you want to be the you know want to be the ranger you you know you got to be able to to have a lot of you know good dexterity and blah 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 you know if you're a barbarian of course you got to be strong you know that kind of thing but also you know those roll cards and stuff like that and other little things that could switch it up it's like just like you would make you know, different characters, there's always going to be like, okay, well, I want, I want this barbarian, but I also want him to be very smart. So, you know, you play a card that makes them have better intelligence and stuff like that. You know, it's like, it really plays to that role-playing game thing, but it doesn't really, it's not really role-playing, you know, it's just, it's we it's got a weird, a weird mix of both of them together where it's not, it doesn't really feed one or the other it just kind of is a good mesh of both i guess yeah and w- one thing i love is like with those racial modifiers and everything if you're like oh man like you know like nobody ever makes a halfling barbarian in D, and then you look at the racial modifiers and you're like yeah there's a reason for that in this game it's the same thing like if you're a halfling and you choose a barbarian you've already cost yourself some points because you can't reach that strength gap or anything else yeah so it really plays good to it yeah so now you got your you know you got your buddies playing a little role player, maybe playing a little Sagrada. People want to go into something a little more. They want a game that, you know, like they like the dice and everything, but they want to feel they're getting more out of it. Where do we go from here, Kurt? So in, in, uh, in retrospect, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to help lighten the burden a little bit from Kurt. Because, you know, with all these dice games, you have so many choices. And in Dice City, at the core of the game, it seems like really simple. Because you got your cool little board... And you're just going to roll your dice and you're going to assign those dice to each of their corresponding rows and columns. Like the rows are your five different colored dice and your columns are what numbers you rolled. And you're going to activate these buildings. And it's kind of cool because this is a game with dice and resources. So it feels a little Euro-y. So now you're treading Mm -hmm. into new territory. (laughs) So there's like uh, iron and wood 
and one other resource that somehow I'm drawing concrete. There I we think. go, stone. That's right. Oh my god, how can there not be stone if you're treading in Euro territory? <laughs> uh, to be fair, there's no wool or cloth in this game, which makes me sad. But Boo. but there is battle, so that's nice. You get that's this right. militia strength. And the thing in this game is. You know, so you roll your dice and you activate those areas, right? So, like, you know, you might be like, well, you know, you're just putting the dice down and who cares? The thing that's interesting in this game is you can manipulate the dice a little. Like, you might give up some die to move other die around, which is pretty cool. So you got manipulation and choice. But the other form of manipulation is instead of using tools to change what your dice are, you might buy multiple buildings of the same and put those all in the same color to make that a new fixed result. So instead of like these other games, like it's kind of funny. It almost seems like an early vision of Dice Forge because each year D6, it's technically a facing, but they're cool like little, like the small little fancy flight cards. Yeah. And, you know, this game has a lot more player interaction. Like take, for example, Sagrada. We're playing Sagrada and I go, hey, Kurt, you can't use a green five at all, can you? And you go, no, why? And then I take the other die and go, just asking, just to be, <laughs> you know, a jerk to you. In Dice City, you can be like, hey, Dan, do you like that mine you have? Yeah, too bad, I'm blowing it up. Because you actually get militia and you can do these things. <laughs> yeah. So the player interaction in Dice City, way higher, right? Mm-hmm. And the manipulating is not only manipulating dice, it's also manipulating resource or how you use those dice. So while you're not restricted and brain burny like in Roleplayer or Sagrada, you're actually your decisions can come back to haunt you in different ways in this game. It's not just building certain things on both sides, but you can also, you know, you can use your militia to defeat the bandits which give you victory points. You can do your resource collections where you can use to take those goods and use the trade ship to ship them, and you get victory points that way. But also, you can use your militia, which here, here's here's where we come back full circle talking about that I should read an instruction booklet more, <laughs> is that if you use two militia, two strength of militia, you can actually steal a resource from somebody else. So if they're you know thinking, okay, well, I'm going to get all these resources to get this trade ship, well, hey, I'm first player. I've got, you know, so many militia. I want to do some other things. But first, let me take that resource that will help me get this trade ship before you get to. So I'll ship off my goods, get those victor points, and you're screwed. Yeah. And, hey, Kurt, how much stone do you have? Two. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> those are my stone now. Yeah. It's like Dice City is a game where people will be calling you names when you do these things, too. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's funny because I remember the first couple of times we played this, there was no like militia interaction between the two. And then finally, I think I, I started, you know, doing it. I was like, oh, sorry, Tracy. I'm, you know, whatever, whatever the card that's in your row, I'm gonna, you know, use my militia to destroy that card or whatever, you know. And then she's like, oh, you think so, huh? And, you know, and then just like, you know back and forth and stuff like that and what another thing that's cool about it too is if you have these cards 
that are on your board that manipulate the board to make it better for you. If you take your militia and you defeat those cards and they have a victory point on them, you actually get the victory point value for yourself too. So that gives you another incentive to try to go after them, not only to screw them over to, you know, not be able to do as many things on their turn, but also to take their victory points and get yourself closer to a victory. Now, I got to tell you, man, if Sagrada, if there was like a promo card where one of the tools was a hammer and you can smash the other person's window up, I'd be playing that <laughs> card every single time against Kim. Nice. And at least in Dice City, I can kind of do that. It's known as a ballista. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> now, one other thing is, even if you play Dice City and, you know, you play it a couple times, you're like, oh, this is pretty simple. There's like three expansions for Dice City. And they open it up a bit. There's like more and more cards, more options, more combos. And it's kind of cool because, you know, the, the core of the game stays the same. It's not like there's like, oh, yeah, now you don't use the dice anymore or nothing like crazy like that. But what's nice is with all this manipulation and like trying to figure out how to make the dice like obey your will. Like, you know, you're like, no, I need to get militia return. I need to finish out my city three more rounds. If I can get three more rounds of resources, I can win this game. This thing, it really opens up people to seeing how, like, because after you play Dice City, you can be like, oh, yeah, you know how you used all that stone and everything to make these buildings? Like, yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, there's this, like, really cool game called Stone Age, and there's, like, gold and some other resources in that thing. Let me show you how that game works. Or, like, oh, you know how you put all those cards on your build, like, you know, and you actually built up your little town? Mm -hmm. Yeah, man, that was, like, really cool. I liked all my, uh, you know, like, I liked how I had all those mines, and they were making me all that stone, and then I had the forges and everything. It's like, yeah, there's this game called Suburbia, where you actually make a city with, like, airports and everything. Like, what? So you could say that this could be a gateway into Euros. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's funny too because they say that this game is for ages 14 and up. Well, our seven-year-old, you know, I've talked about this, you know, on, on other episodes. Like he's really good about playing a bunch of different games. But like, this is a game that I wouldn't put past to anybody playing this with you with younger kids because. You know, you've got your dice. I mean, what kid doesn't love rolling dice? And they're color dice, which is cool. But, like, like literally, there's not... there's. I mean, this game is not really that hard, I mean, to figure out and to teach. You know, it's just like, okay, obviously you're collecting these resources to do certain things. You're using the militia to do certain things. It's just basic math. Other things you can kind of help them with. It's like, okay, if you want to, you know, you know, teach them, well, maybe, you know, you want to put you know, all these different things in this row so you can kind of combine your combos on it and stuff like that, you know, that might be a teaching moment, but it's like, I don't see it as a, you know, even though it may be a intro intro to like your heavier games, it's really not, it's not hard. It's, it's very easy to teach and every, very easy to play, I think. Yeah, and now one of the things is before we started recording, we were talking about like, oh, like is Dice City a step forward? And it's like, you know, because it's a little easier to teach than Sagrada or Roleplayer. Mm -hmm. But the depth of options and how you can win and the different, like, that you can win by going for all the boats or by filling up your city or by defeating all the bandit raiders, there's, like, different paths to victory and different, like, reading the other players is a big part of this game. Mm -hmm. You know, Sagrada and Roleplayer, 90% of the way through are kind of like that. We're all playing a solo game who can do it better. 
you know, like there's hate drafting or in role player. Oh man, you really want that sword? Yeah, I'm gonna trash that so nobody can buy it. There's things like that. Mm. But yeah. Dice City is the I'm going to blow up your stuff. I am going to shut you down. Like, I am going to go Negan on your city. You know, you better get lots of stone because half of that is mine. You know, it's like, <laughs> and it's it's weird because you look at the game and you're like, oh, this is so cute. It's, it's kind of, it's got teeth, you know? <laughs> Again, it's, it's up to the person. I think we've given everybody our view on it and stuff like that. So if, if you think that, maybe this isn't quite a step up from that let us know you know get on twitter and talk to us there you know go on the facebook facebook page and talk to us there everybody's got their own views on you know what may be a step up what be may be a step back sideways maybe very similar you know just let us know because you know we always like to talk about that kind of stuff or when tracy said that she didn't know if she could be on because she didn't know if she'd be you know be on the side of that i said well you know you could always still come and talk you know and just be like okay this is why i don't think it's that way you know it's not like it's not a thing set in stone where we think yes this is this is what we said (laughs) this is what's gonna happen don't ever say differently or we will never speak of you again you know it's like everybody has their own opinion you know that's that's why we that's why we're doing this podcast because we have this opinion and we want to get it out there we want people to know so i would love it if tracy was on and just started with well here's how you're completely wrong (laughs) (laughs) yeah believe me she would love to do that oh i I can imagine it's a fun thing to do here yeah exactly well especially when you're like me and you're always wrong (laughs) just remember kurt if you cured the disease you can get rid of all the cubes Yay! I love that I know that now. <laughs> You're going to start just rocking. You're going to be playing in Pandemic like four hours a day on the app. It's going to be beautiful. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to I'm gonna walk into my local game store like, who wants to play Pandemic? <laughs> Throwing cubes in the air. Like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll treat this disease, you son of a... <laughs> Little kids dodging cubes. What did I do? You're here. Why is the strange man yelling at us? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) He keeps yelling pandemic and throwing cubes at my face. And don't forget, you can always reach that strange man at MFGCast on Twitter. That's true. That's true. And, you know, I can't believe that every time we record we have to say this, but if you give us a five-star review, we'll send you a free game. Is that seriously hard for you to well, do? You're, you're in Come the on. running for a free game. Let's not. You're in the running. It's not like you just review us and it's like, here you go, Pandemic Legacy Season Two. Didn't know which box you want, so I got you one of each. It's not. It's not that easy. Nice. But you're definitely one of you might. Yeah, one of you will definitely get a game. Who I don't know. One of you will though. And it's a really fun game to play at the holidays. Yeah. Exactly. And. Like, seriously, if, you know, we, this is going to sound very, like, blowing our own horns or whatever, but it's like, we we take a lot of time and talk about these things, and we love talking about them, but, like, you know, we do this for you, so do us a little favor, just go on there and just tell us what you think, you know, it's, it, it doesn't take you very long, you just go on iTunes, you just click review, you just type up, you know, two or three sentences, it gets the word out. You know, we're, we're, you know, I've, I've talked about this, you know, a little bit more as we've um, kind of gone on, but we're getting more listenership and we appreciate you a lot. Believe me, 
don't get that don't get that twisted but you know to help other people that you know, you may think that may want to listen to this you know give them give them give them your honest opinion and let and let people know so it can get out there in the zeitgeist so until next time this is Kurt this is D Wyatt and this is Sneaky Kim <laughs> Sneaky Kim saying goodnight and this was the MFG cast a proud partner of the Legends of Tabletop Legends of Tabletop Podcast. Creating legends one die at a time.